This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. How is everybody? Wow. Hey, Jacob. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. It means the world. So who's excited for fall? I didn't hear a good enough response last time. Let's do a show of hands. What's your favorite season? All right, we're going to start with the worst one, winter. Whoa. Whoa. Why do we like that? Okay. What about the spring? Got a lot of springs. How about summer? Okay, and then how about fall? Yeah, fall's my favorite too. I think the weather's just perfect in the fall. And I love the smell of leaves burning and all that good stuff. Yeah, hoodies. If you know anything about me, I like to wear long sleeves. I'm not a big t-shirt guy, so the fall is perfect because I just throw a hoodie on and it's perfect for all weather. So I have another question for you guys. Let Raise your hand if you really, really like to argue. Trevor. Yes. Yeah. How many of you hate arguments? Can't stand them? Yeah. I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle, okay? I, I kind of like to argue a little bit, but most of the time I try to stay away from it. But no matter... No matter who you are or where you are, where you live, what kind of personality that you have, you know what it feels like to be in an argument, right? Like we've all been in an argument or have seen an argument happen. And I'm, I'm a pretty peaceful person now for the most part, but growing up, I wasn't. This was not true. I was an angry little boy. I'm still a little boy. I'm just a little less angry. Um, but if I was in an argument, I was the type of person who would just argue and argue and argue and argue and argue and argue and argue until my point was made. Or the other person got so tired of arguing with me that they just gave up. That's just who I was. I wanted to win, and I had to make sure I would beat them in the argument. I couldn't let go. I just would not let go of the argument. But the most common arguments that I had were between me and my brother. Who fights with their siblings in here? Yeah. Me and my brother fought like crazy. You guys are best friends. That's awesome. That's cool. It's also a lie. (laughs) So me and my brother argued all the time. Just over anything. Some of the most common arguments that we had were who got to play on the Xbox because we only had one. 
who controlled the remote to the TV or if we were going to do something together or not. Because most of the time, I didn't want him with me. But when I did want him with me was when it was something like I could go outside and play sports or we needed an extra person to play pickup basketball. Or I just didn't have any friends at the time. So I was like, hey, dude, let's go outside and do something. But he didn't love outdoors. He didn't love sports. He didn't love anything that I really did. We were almost polar opposites, polar opposites. So the way that I would get him outside is I would just argue with him, and I'd try to get him to come outside with me, play basketball, do whatever. I'd throw sarcasm at him. I'd do mean jabs at him. I'd tell him he's lazy, he's a bum, just do everything I could to get him angry so he might actually just get up and come play basketball with me for an hour, and I could beat him. And I know it doesn't seem like I'm a basketball player, but like I said, my brother hated sports, and he was one of the only people I could beat. So I had to make sure I always got him out there at least once a day to get my one win. So I knew good and well what I was trying to do was just make him mad. I was just trying to get him riled up so we could do something. And most of the time, I would wear him down. And like I said earlier, but when I couldn't wear him down, the number one thing that I would turn to was sarcasm. I'm pretty good at sarcasm. I was a master wordsmith when it came to being sarcastic, especially with my family members, because I knew exactly what buttons to press. No matter what he said, I had this set of skills, these sarcasm skills that I was going to put in place, and I was going to put him in his place with them, which usually ended in us physically fighting. Is anybody actually getting into physical fights with their siblings? Yeah. Those made my parents mad. Those made them real mad. But it happened. We were about the, we were about, well, he's only two years younger than me, so it wasn't like I was picking on somebody who was half my age. He was almost my age. And he's taller than me, he's bigger than me in every way, so the fight really wasn't that fair anyways. I don't know why I tried to fight him. Stupid. But when it comes to arguing, we all have our go-to style. Like I said, I would turn to sarcasm or trying to exhaust somebody, right? Maybe your go-to move is to always be louder than the other person. You just simply talk at a louder decibel in order to drown out what they're saying. You don't want them to even get a word in. Or, and this one is kind of a pro move, all right, is you like subtly change the argument, you change the subject a little bit, mid-argument until the whole conversation is about something completely different. And then you win that argument. You may not have been winning the first one, but you change the conversation and you've won the second argument and that is next level arguing. So I put that one in your back pocket for next time. Or maybe... You just go passive-aggressive. You make a snide comment that appears to be harmless to, like, other people, right? Like, they hear it, and they're like, eh, that's not that bad. But you know that the person you said it to, it's going to cut really, really deep, and it's going to hurt. Maybe you're just plain aggressive. You flip a table. You're just so mad. That's how you argue. You just flip a table. You throw a chair, and then you just move on. You go with your life. That was your argument. You're done. Or maybe you go silent. 
you retreat into your own head or you physically go into your room, but everyone can read your face and they know exactly what you want to communicate. See, everyone has a way in which they fight. In the same way, nearly everybody has something that they want to fight for. Like we all have a subject that gets us just ready to throw down, where we just get angry. I love you too, Trevor. And we all have this moment where something is said to us, and it's like, oh, I just, I can't believe they said that, and I'm about to lose it. Here's what I mean. I'm going to say something that is very, very true, and you tell me how you feel about it. Okay, this is absolutely 100% true. Cheerleading is not a sport. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But some of you were mad. Some of you liked it, and you were going to argue with me. So, see, that's what it's like. We all have little subjects like that. Maybe, think about this. What if someone told you school needs to be year-round? Hmm. Anybody like that? Mm, one person. Oh, no, my cap. What about Star Wars movies are boring? Anybody believe that one? Objection! <laughs> or my personal favorite, country music should be eliminated. Eliminated. Get rid of it. Yeah. So, see, we all have subjects that get us worked up, that get us riled up. Or if I even were to mention politics, which I'm not going to, that is the kind of stuff that just causes arguments. You see, we all have these subjects we care about, and they trigger us. These triggering conversations that just make us want to scream. Everybody has an opinion, and sometimes those opinions bring out a fight in us. But we all know that our arguments and fights, they don't stay contained to just being harmless all the time. Less personal topics like calling shotgun or controlling the TV in the living room, like those aren't always what cause us to argue. Our worlds are full of arguments, and the options are completely endless. Like think of wanting more freedom with parents or who should get spots on the team or who has to actually do the work on the group project or even more serious stuff like whether we should be wearing a mask or not, who should have won the election, what people should do about vaccines, guns, drugs, immigration, women's rights, anything, you name it. Anything you can think of People want to argue about it. And for most of you, tension and arguments probably bother you a little bit, right? Like it's not a lot of fun. In fact, they're pretty annoying. And you have enough to worry about with school and your family and your friends to have all this other stuff, this junk just thrown in there. So when the world around you is in constant conflict, most people tend to do one of three things. They either go straight to anger, where you pick your side, you get angry, and then the other side, you're just mad the other side even exists. 
You go straight into it with, I don't care what the other side is. I don't agree with it. I don't care who's on that side. I'm mad they believe that. So you try and fight to change them and prove that your side is right. Or maybe you feel torn when you go into an argument. You don't really know which side to take. Like This issue doesn't really pertain to you. You're not sure whether you care that much about the argument. You see both sides. But with so many people angry about it, you wonder, am I supposed to be angry about this too? Or maybe you're someone who just couldn't care less. You're just here to watch the fight go down, and you're happy that you don't have to be involved in it. So when we really get involved in an argument, we all just want one thing, right? We want to win. That's the whole point of the argument. Why else are we arguing? We want to win. That's our ultimate goal. And we all have a few tactics that we have, you know, kind of practiced to help us do that. Whether you win through yelling or silence, through ghosting or showing up to absolutely fight, talking to the person or talking about them so everybody else knows just how wrong they are. We all have the same goal, and that is to win. We want to win. That's just our nature. It's who we are. And this has never felt more important than it does right now. Like, look around you, whether it's in your home, social media, or just in the culture that you look around and observe. We're surrounded by these big questions and big arguments for and against pretty much everything you can think of. If you can think of something, someone's arguing for or against it. And with that in mind, in a time with unavoidable arguments, just everywhere we go, someone's arguing about something. Like, what are we supposed to do? How can we get better at arguing? How do we, quote-unquote, win? See, we're going to look at a passage from the book of James. And he was the brother of Jesus. And what makes James so interesting is that he actually didn't grow up thinking that Jesus was the Son of God. He grew up thinking that Jesus was just his older brother. That's all he really knew, all he really understood. And when Jesus left home and started teaching in the Judean countryside and traveling around with these messages about what God was like, what did James do? Well, he stayed away. He didn't want anything to do with it. It seemed like James had zero interest in knowing what his older brother was up to or why. He didn't understand why Jesus was doing it, and frankly, he didn't care. And really, you can't really blame him. Like, think about it for a second. Can you imagine your older brother walking around acting like he was God? Like, think about that for a second. And some of you, you know exactly how that feels like. Maybe your sibling does walk around acting like they're God. But we'll talk about that on another day. I'm not going to force you to sit on a couch and explain to me all your deepest, darkest pains with your sibling. See, the point is, we can assume James responded that way because they were siblings, right? They were brothers. They may not have fought about the remote control or Xbox or sports, but I'm willing to guess that because they were siblings, they had conflict. That's why it's interesting to read what James has to say about conflict and tension and convincing others that you're right. James writes this, 
My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James, James probably spent most of his life doing what most of us have done with our siblings, being quick to speak and slow to listen, the exact opposite of that. From what we read in the Gospels, James wasn't really that supportive of what Jesus was doing. And I can even imagine that he was probably quick to tell others that his brother was crazy, quick to tell Jesus that there was no way he was who he claimed to be, quick to defend what he thought and why he thought it, quick to make a point, take a stand, and defend his position, quick to fight, quick to try and convince everyone that he was right and Jesus was wrong. That is, until James realized that he had been wrong the entire time. He had been wrong about all of it. By listening most likely to Jesus' friends and followers, or even Jesus himself, James began to see something that he had never seen before. He'd never seen it before whenever he had thought about his brother. His brother wasn't acting like he was God. He was God in a body. He was who he claimed to be. When James changed his mind about Jesus and saw him for who he really was, it put everything into perspective for him, even conflicts. So James instructs us to listen first, right? Whether you're right, whether you're wrong, whether you know the whole story or you don't care at all about what the story is, whether you have a great clapback for them that's going to put them in their place, or you just want it all to stop right now. No matter the situation, the response needs to be the exact same. To listen before anything else. We need to be able to hear things from the other one's perspective. So we need to listen first with the intent of learning instead of trying to change someone's mind. There's a big difference when you actually Go into a conversation to listen. And then after we listen, James says that we should be slow to speak and slow to become angry. And this is important because it doesn't mean that we shouldn't speak at all. It doesn't mean shut up and you don't matter and your opinion doesn't matter. That's not at all what it means. It doesn't mean we sit back and we just take whatever someone throws at us. It means that we don't speak reactively. We pause, we take a deep breath, we compose our thoughts and emotions before speaking. And why do we do this? Why is this important? Because we've all been in the place where we didn't pause, right? Where we just said what we were feeling. We said it, we texted it, we yelled, or we posted something that we regret. Because we didn't take the time to process anything, we just got angry and reacted. See, slow to speak and slow to anger means that we don't let our emotions determine our actions. And when we do speak, we do so purposefully in a way that's loving, not in a way to tear the other person down, not in a way to just make sure you win that argument and they feel like crap for not believing what you believe. We all know what it's like to be quick to speak and quick to become angry. Like, we've done it before. Like, think back in your past. What were some of the things 
that got you worked up. Just think about it for a second. Something in your past that you immediately reacted poorly. And now think about this. Are those things important now? Do they even matter? And maybe so, but I'm guessing not. A lot of the things that happened in our past that made us so angry, they don't really matter as much today. I bet those arguments would even seem kind of silly now if you looked back on it. See, but you know what is important. It may not be those arguments that we've had in the past, but what is important is the people that we're arguing with. See, your siblings, your parents, your step-parents, your friends, they matter now, right now. And even if they aren't in your life anymore, they matter because they're people, because they're God's children. In other words, often the people we're fighting with will matter far longer than the things that we're arguing about. This argument will probably die, and we will forget we had it in years and years and years later, but those people still matter. Here's what I'm getting at. You absolutely never win an argument if you lose the relationship. That's not a win. We're right in the middle of a time where tensions are high, and conflict is super normal. Like, if you don't see it, you're probably living under a rock. Like, just look around, and tensions are high. Conflict feels constant. Arguments are playing out in our homes, in our friendships, in our schools, in our culture. And when conflict is everywhere, the temptation is to ask, how do I win the argument to prove that I'm right and we can move on? But maybe that's the wrong question. Maybe we're asking the wrong question. Maybe instead of asking, how do I win this argument, the question we should be asking is, how do I win this relationship? How can I talk about this in a way that even if we don't agree, if they're convinced I'm right or not, can we still be friends? Even if I'm never good with their opinion, even if no matter what they say, I'm not going to be, not going to be on their side with this argument, is there a way that we can still be good? Not always, but if there is, then that is what a win is. That's what a win is, an argument. And that slight change in the question, it really makes all the difference in the world when you think about it. Because it's no longer about making the other person realize they're wrong. It's no longer about proving that you're right and they're stupid. It's about making the other person realize that their relationship with you matters more than any disagreement they could ever have with you. So there you go, right? All arguments are fixed. Follow that plan. It's easy. Super easy. Right? No. See, I know that exactly 0% of that is easy. Figuring out how to handle arguments and conflicts or disagreements has been one of the hardest parts of growing up for me. It's been so difficult to learn how to maturely interact with people that you disagree with. See, it's not easy, 
But there are a few tips that I've discovered that, you know, kind of make it a little more possible. It doesn't make it easy, but it makes it easier. And the first tip is we need to memorize Scripture and specifically memorize this one verse. See, if we want to respond to arguments and conflicts differently, we need a new technique. You can't keep going about it the same way. And just like song lyrics, when you memorize scripture, it gets stuck in your head, and it helps you think differently. And it doesn't take too long, really, at all. And this may sound kind of crazy or silly, but I want you guys to say it with me, and it's right here. So we're going to say it three times, and we're going to start memorizing it today. So the first time... You can just repeat it after me. I'm going to say it first, and then I want you guys to say it back to me, okay? So be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Be quick to listen, All right. Now take that off. See if you can say it with me. Go back a slide just so it won't be on there anymore. Cool. Boom. Somebody's already got it. All right, we're going to say it together this time, everybody. All right? Three, two, one. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay? I think that's good enough. You guys should have it perfectly memorized now. Never forget it again. I'm going to ask you in a week, if you forgot it, you cannot come back to tribe. I don't make the rules. God does. And then the second tip is to pause and pray. See, nothing helps us be slow to speak like pausing to pray. Pausing to pray for the other person even. See, when we pray for someone, it changes how we think about them. Our brain naturally puts people into categories. Whenever we're mad at somebody, when they disagree with us, when they're on our side, They get categorized in our brain, even without us knowing it. But when we pray for them, it forces us to see them as more than just that one trait or that one argument. See, it helps us to remember that they're human. And they're a human who probably wants the same things that we do. Which brings me to the last one. We need to empathize. See, empathy is what happens when you put yourself in other people's shoes. Whoever you disagree with usually has more to their story than you know. You don't know everything about everyone that you disagree with. There's more to their opinions and their beliefs, but it's hard to remember that if we don't pause and listen to their story before responding. When you just go into it thinking that person just disagrees with you because they're stupid or they want to make you mad. We need to remember that each and every person has a story and has a reason and has plenty of things to back up why they believe what they believe. See, try challenging yourself to not respond until you've thought about it long enough that you can clearly state how they feel in a way that they would agree with you. Usually, if you talk about the issue from their point of view, you can empathize even if you still disagree. See, the whole point of this isn't that you have to agree with someone that has a different belief than you. That's not the point. 
But what the point is, is that they're people, and they have stories, and they need to be loved just like me and you do. And we may not be able to change the way people behave when it comes to conflicts, arguing, or fighting. But what we can do is we can change how we behave in those situations. Like I said, that's always easier said than done, especially when tomorrow at school, your English teacher makes that political comment that just makes you want to throw your textbook, or when your coach makes a call that literally nobody thinks was the right move. Or when you get home tonight and your mom or dad is talking about an opinion that you completely disagree with. See, that's one of the reasons that we think small groups are more important than ever. It's a place for you to talk with real people about how ideas like this one work in your life every day. And it's a group of people that you can encourage and challenge, and they can challenge you to do the right thing even when you aren't feeling it. So as we wrap things up and head into small groups here in a minute, I want you to think about one relationship that would be better if you just practiced that verse. To be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. Then challenge yourself to do just that. Challenge yourself to be quick to listen, to be slow to speak, and slow to become angry with fill in the blank, whoever it is in your life that you're struggling with when it comes to these arguments. That's how you win every single time. When you win the relationship, then you win the argument. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for each and every person in this room. I thank you for everything that you've done for us and for bringing us here tonight. I pray that as we go on with our evening and with our weeks, Lord, that you would stick with us and remind us the importance of not winning an argument, but winning the relationship. I pray that each person in here would understand how important it is that we don't win an argument, but that we love your people that we understand that they're human beings who all have stories. I pray that we would all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, Lord. Engrave that in our hearts so we can live a life that truly honors you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.